the only solution was to really understand the details of how calendars are built. And that's when I first got the idea that, you know, maybe there's a better way here. Because as I got into the details of this, I was horrified to learn that the calendaring views that you see, particularly in Microsoft Outlook, are basically just a collection of emails. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking to Tim Campos, former CIO of Facebook and founder of Woven, a calendar that actually accounts for your life and your free time. We talk about his experience at Facebook and how it led him to the idea of creating Woven, stats on how people spend their time and schedule meetings, and more. If you want some incredible insights into how people manage their time, this episode is for you. But first, let's go to a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ahoy, the easiest way to increase customer engagement on your WordPress site. Install Ahoy, create a message box, configure where to display it, and start seeing conversions come in. You can create messages for cart abandonment, upsells and cross-sells, custom support, and so much more. Ahoy's flexible conditions let you choose exactly where and when you want your message to be displayed. I've recently installed it on my own WooCommerce site, and I've already seen increased engagement. And I know this because of Ahoy's powerful analytics and reporting. You will see ROI within days of installing Ahoy, if not sooner. And that's even more true for listeners of How I Built It you can get an exclusive 20% discount on any plan. Visit useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and use the code howibuiltit at checkout. That's useahoy.com, U-S-E-A-H-O-Y, useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and the discount code howibuiltit. Use those today. Increase your engagement and sales on your WordPress site. Thanks to Ahoy for their support of this show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Tim Campos. He is the founder and CEO of Woven. He's also a software engineer and former CIO of Facebook. Tim, thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, not a problem. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, it sounds like you've got a wide range of experience, and I'm excited to kind of dive into that. Uh, but first, let's start off with who you are and what you currently do. Awesome. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the founder and CEO of a company named uh, Woven. Uh, Woven is uh, an intelligent calendar that... Uh, uh, we built uh, in an effort to reimagine what calendars can do to basically help all of us spend time on what matters most. And we do that by changing how the calendar is built. Most calendars, all calendars, are built on top of email, and, and Woven is built in a very different way, uh, which allows us to take calendar events and interconnect them with the things that we spend time on, whether that's uh, documents or issues or uh, op- absolutely other people. Um, and uh, so our, our long-term vision is to help people spend time on what matters most to them. That's fantastic. And, you know, calendars, I feel like calendars and emails are um, like apps and nuts that people have been trying to crack since like the nexus of time. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm always interested to hear about kind of how things are reimagined because 
um, even like today, you know, managing calendars is difficult, even with all these other tools to help us like convert time zones and get people on the same page. So uh, it's, it's interesting to see products like that out in the wild. Yeah, if you, uh, let's, let's start with email real quick. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's wrong with email? And in many respects, what's wrong with email is, is the premise from the beginning. It, it is the electronic memoranda. And uh, it came of age in a, uh, at a time when computers were used to automate paper-based processes. Uh, and you know, with, with time, as you have a whole generation of people who grew up with technology, uh, the memoranda is not the right way to communicate with each other. That's why we have text messaging. It's why we have Facebook. It's why we have WhatsApp. It's why we have Slack and, and other technologies that you couldn't do on paper. And uh, so uh, email has largely been reimagined by uh, moving off of it and using other technologies. Calendars are a little bit different because they pertain to this issue of time. Right? And time is, um, we all have time. We all have the same amount of time. There's only 24 hours in a day and doesn't matter, you know, who you are and what you do. Um, you're, you, you and I have the exact same amount of time today. And uh, but what the calendar suffers from uh, is based on on how it's built. So it's first off, it's a feature of a suite. So it doesn't get a lot of love from companies like Microsoft and Google. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so you know, just by existing, Woven uh, helps with that because this is all we think about. We're just a hundred percent focused on making the calendar better. But uh, second, like there's a lot of things about calendars that are just wrong. So you know, most, most of us have a little bit of our time in Google. Um, most people put their personal calendars in, in Google Calendar. Some people have their professional lives in Google as well. And Google has lots of different calendars. Well, for every single calendar, there's another 24 hours in your day, except there isn't. I, if I have three calendars, that doesn't mean there's 72 hours for me today. Um, it means I just have 72 hours of time I have to administer. And that creates a lot of work for people. Uh, Woven understands that uh, even though I might have a work calendar and a personal calendar, there's only one of me, and so I can only be in one place at, at one time. And so it brings all that stuff together to help me make sure that if I'm busy because I have a doctor's appointment, appointment then I'm not available to um, you know, take an appointment at work or vice versa. If I have a dinner appointment uh, for professionally, then I'm not going to be home uh, that night to spend time with my family. And... Uh, so those, those are just some of the things that we do. Uh, but the other things that I think are, make calendars very uh, difficult is they're, they're very isolated. So if you and I want to meet together, I want to meet with you, you want to meet with me, how do we solve that problem? Well, we end up sending emails to each other. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how about next Thursday? Oh, that doesn't work. How about Friday? Okay, how about the following week? And it goes back and forth and back and forth because the calendars don't talk to each other. But if they could talk to each other, you could just press a button and say, when's the next time that we're both free? For a dinner meeting, which is not going to be you know tomorrow at three in the morning, it's going to be sometime between six and nine p.m. on a weeknight or maybe on a weekend night, depending on our relationship. So again, we've taught Woven how to uh, be intelligent around those things to help people out. So those are just some of the things that we do to make the calendar more intelligent. But there's actually a lot more um, that make this product a very, very rich product. Yeah, and that's I mean that's I love that. I mean the fact that calendars are isolated, right? Like I hate doing that what's good for you dance. And that's why, you know, I use Calendly for this. We didn't, I don't know what time zone you're in and we didn't have to talk about that. I just sent you a link and you picked an appropriate time based on what I've made available. And so um, if everybody I know did that, it would be amazing. I have people who are like, I'm not going to use, yeah, 
So Now imagine Calendly tightly integrated with uh, your calendar so that you can see all of the different scheduling links that you've sent out to people. Uh, and uh, if those people were using uh, that exact same product, that instead of them having to go through a, an awkward user interface mm-hmm. to select the time that works, uh, that their calendars just told them, okay, here are the slots that are going to work for Joe and I. Yeah. And that's woven. Um, you know, that's, that's basically how the product works. Nice. That's fantastic. Because, I mean, when somebody sends me a Calendly link, I still have to look at my calendar. And be like, yeah. This, yeah. So that's great. Um, very cool. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely going to, I've looked at the website, but I haven't downloaded Woven. I'm definitely going to download it after we talk here, if it's available. Awesome. Yeah. 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 It um, is an op- open beta for Google Calendar users. Awesome. I am, uh, I like all of those words. Um, but so, so that's what you, what you currently do now, but you've also been a software engineer and you were CIO of, of Facebook. Um, so let's, uh, let's start with software engineering. Um, did you do software engineering at Facebook or was that somewhere else? So I, I started my career as a software engineer, um, at a company called Sybase and, uh, did software engineering at, uh, Sybase, Silicon Graphics and internet startup. Um, and at that internet startup, um, this is uh, back in the early days of software as a service. Uh, in that kind of world, uh, you know the uh, the the concept of IT or what it takes to deliver the software and software engineering are much more fused. And that's what got me into uh, IT. Um, I spent the next uh, after Portera System six and a half years as the CIO of a company called KLA Tencore. And then at Facebook, I sort of got to bring it all back together because my job at Facebook started off being a very traditional IT job, but I brought engineering into the organization because we were building a lot of the software that helped make Facebook employees more productive. Everything from the visitor management system that you know, employees would interface with as they walked in the door to uh, the you know, recruiting systems, CRM systems that we built for sales, um, internal productivity systems for employees just to be able to schedule meetings with each other and to um, collaborate with each other. Uh, we did a lot of uh, custom-built software, and um, some of this software uh, you know, made its way into Facebook's products, uh, things like Audience Insights, for example. Some of this software um, became the inspiration for technologies like Envoy, um, and uh, we're, we're quite flattered to see uh, companies... Um, yeah, make real businesses off of some of the things that we uh, uh, pioneered and created. And uh, some of the stuff um, continues to be very unique and proprietary to, uh, to Facebook. But it was all a key part of how we made the workforce more productive. I mean, we literally engineered our way there. And while I was at Facebook, we doubled the productivity of the workforce. Wow, that's incredible. And, and so um, just to get an idea of the scale of the stuff you were doing, uh, you were at Facebook in the earlier part of this decade, right? So um, about how many employees? Uh, yeah. Facebook was relatively small, about 1,400 people, okay. just about to cross a billion dollars in revenue. And then when I left, we had not only 20,000 employees, but another 15,000 or so contractors on top of that. So a workforce of close to 35,000 people um, on, running on a 40. $40 billion run rate. Um, and so the company had really, uh, you know, grown up and, and become uh, quite the, uh, the, the behemoth. Yeah. Uh, and my job was to basically help the company achieve that growth without having to scale linearly. So if we could 
uh, make it so that you know a salesperson could sell more, or a recruiter could help recruit more, or an HR person could support more employees, or facilities could support uh, what they do with less people, then uh, you know we could grow the impact of the company without having to grow the workforce at the same rate. And, and that's how we um, were able to, uh, to double the productivity of the workforce. Wow, that's, that's incredible. And so uh, I'm sure um, doing all of this probably gave you a lot of ideas for Woven. Um, so uh, let's, let's start, or I mean, let's talk about that now, right? So um, how did your experience as CIO of Facebook kind of give you this, uh, this insight into how you, you felt Woven should work? Was it, is it just you or did you have a co-founder too? Uh, what's kind of the origin story of Woven? Sure. So I, I have a co-founder uh, who was also at Facebook while I was there. But uh, the story starts actually almost two weeks into my tenure at Facebook, where um, one of the first problems that uh, I was faced was uh, you know, a company was having a lot of trouble keeping the calendaring system functioning properly. And uh, literally two weeks in, I, I was called to Zuck's desk uh, by his EA, and I was really excited to have this conversation with Zuck, uh, only to find when I got there that it was just me and not only his EA, but several of the others who uh, you know, were yelling at me about all the problems that they were having with the calendaring system. Um, d- events that would just disappear, conference rooms that would get double booked, um, things that were both embarrassing for them and real productivity drains um, for not only them, but the people that they supported. And to solve this, um, you know, you, you have to put yourself back in the time. This is 2010. Facebook was running Exchange at the time. It had a workforce that had a lot of Apple devices, and uh, that was not a very healthy combination. Um, it was also not a combination that we were going to change. Um, mm-hmm. So I, the, the only solution was to really understand the details of how calendars are built. And that's when I first got the idea that, you know, maybe there's a better way here. Because as I got into the details of this, I was horrified to learn that the calendaring uh, views that you see, particularly in Microsoft Outlook, are basically just a collection of emails and um, special emails. uh, But a calendar invite is just a specially formatted email. And Microsoft Outlook would just collect all these things um, and then present them to you in what we see as a calendar. And uh, one of the worst parts about that is if somebody makes a change to a calendar event and doesn't tell you about it, well, then you don't know about it. If they don't send you the email, you don't know. Um, And whether you are a person or a conference room, this is the source of just a a tremendous amount of pain. And so we were able to work through this stuff, but it also gave birth to some ideas of maybe there's a better way to manage this kind of information. Um, Already for Facebook, there was a lot of demand for... um, tools that it would be better if they knew when employees were busy um, or when resources were busy. Uh, when we moved to Menlo Park, we have these really beautiful, giant touchscreen displays that um, show you where people sit and also where the different conference rooms are. And they're wayfinders. They help you find your way within the, the campus. Um, and part of the what they were designed to do is to help you find a free conference room if you're trying to do a one-on-one with somebody, and we needed to get that information out of the calendar. Um, is the conference room free or busy? Well, uh, it turns out that wasn't easy at the time to get that data, so we built what was a wrapper 
around Exchange, uh, very similar to what Woven is to Gmail and, and Office 365, uh, to, uh, uh, to support that. And that same wrapper gave us the ability to do a bunch of other really sophisticated things. Uh, for example, um, Facebook does a lot of interviews, a lot of software uh, engineering interviews. And a software engineering interview is at least four people um, and the candidate, obviously, and of course, you're going to have to have conference rooms for all this. Um, and uh, you know, at the time, uh, in fact, still to this day, Facebook does well over 100,000 software engineering interviews a year. Uh, that's a lot of things to coordinate, more than can be done by people. So we built systems that would take the uh, availability of candidates, availability of uh, panelists, availability of conference rooms, and sort of mash all that stuff and come up with what the ideal scheduling plan would be for a candidate uh, to help a scheduler get things done uh, quickly and more efficiently. Um, and we've just found more and more different opportunities to solve problems using calendar data. Uh, and that's what ultimately gave birth to the idea that, you know, maybe we should go do this for other people and not just for Facebook. And uh, that's when my co-founder and I left the company to create what Woven is. You left around like 2016, is that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. we left at the end of 2016. Okay. Um, so right after the election, no relation uh, to <laughs> our choice of departure, although it turned out to be a good one. Um, yeah, and, uh, just going to say good timing. Immediately uh, started, uh, you know, focusing on fundraising for the company and uh, created Woven right away and closed uh, our seed financing a, a few months later and hired our first employee. And uh, that was May of 2018, 2017. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to Pantheon.io today again to set up a free account pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. So you had all this insight. You built something that um, you knew would scale because, I mean, 35,000 people in a workforce, uh, you know, and, and rooms and stuff like that. Um, let's get into the kind of the nitty gritty, the title question, right? How did you build uh, this first version of Woven. Um, you mentioned that Facebook was using Exchange at the time. Um, this is built more for Google Calendar and soon Office 365. So, um, you know, we could we could get as technical as you want. We could talk about like the programming language or or we could talk about kind of the high, you know, we built a wrapper around Google Calendar and this is how we're doing this. So there's a lot of Woven that was inspired by Facebook. Um, you know, Facebook... Um, had a phenomenal environment for building products, whether you're talking about um, 
the products that everybody knows and loves, like Instagram and uh, Facebook Messenger, or internal products that most people aren't aware of, but employees use every single day. And um, that's all built on top of a set of technologies, a set of services uh, that are um, largely common across all of these different products um, that run on scalable infrastructure that is, um, you know, abstracts a lot of things uh, from you know, the, the software engineer. And uh, Facebook, uh, you know, a lot of those ideas made their way into Woven. So um, Facebook is built on a graph and has a very rich graph engine. Um, and that graph engine manages uh, entities and relationships uh, between those entities. Uh, in the case of Facebook, you're talking about people and uh, their friendships or photographs and um, likes and Facebook pages and um, addresses that you might check in at. Those are all different examples of entities and the relationships that you have. Um, with Woven, it's, it's uh, similar but different. You still have people um, who go to meetings um, and you have locations, uh, but you uh, have uh, the whole notion of time and um, uh, other information that might be related to uh, a meeting or an event like private notes or tags or um, alternative suggestions for when an, an event can occur or uh, uh, even things like documents and, and um, customer records and, and other information. Uh, so all that's managed in a graph engine, so very much inspired by Facebook. Um, uh, we uh, replicated a lot of the ideas on how Facebook does um, you know, continuous inter- integration. So uh, the Facebook site is pushed multiple times a day. Uh, you don't have, uh, you know, even though there's, I can't say exactly how many servers and probably wouldn't even know it at today's uh, day and age, but it's, it's a lot, let's put it that way. Um, and uh, so it's just not possible for that to be a human administrator. So you have a lot of technology and automation that handles the, the replication of software through the environment. And we started with that same idea. So Woven is built on an infrastructure that allows us to um, push changes into staging environments as soon as they're coded. Um, and then we can test that. And uh, today we do it twice a week. We could do it as frequently as we want or as infrequently as we want. But uh, to push from our staging environment to production is a very simple process. If we have any problems, it's very easy for us to roll back. We have multiple environments to test and verify that everything is, is uh, working. Um, and, and a lot of automation in here, automated tests to make sure that code changes are um, ready to be merged into the master branch, a lot of tests to uh, ensure that environments are ready to promote from testing to staging to production. Um, and what that does is it offloads the work from the engineers. Now they can just focus on their particular changes and what they're working on at the time. And it's ca- created a very efficient uh, environment. So we we're relatively small in terms of the number of engineers that we have, but we have um, done a just a massive amount of functionality in a relatively short period of time, thanks to the architecture of this environment. Wow, that's um, that sounds fantastic. I mean, as a developer, like uh, making the development environment as easy as possible for one is like a, a dream. Um, so that that sounds really cool, and it's it's cool that you were able to kind of take a lot of this stuff. Um, that you learned at Facebook. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit more about the 
the product and, and the feature set. I know we, we kind of touched on this a bit, um, but how, how did you decide to, to build out these features, right? Because, you know, the common uh, calendar exchange, as we talked about, is, hey, when are you free? Oh, I, you know, it's uh, 4 p.m. Oh, I'm in Eastern time. Oh, that's like 1 p.m. Pacific or whatever. Uh, daylight savings time changes things. Um, how, how did you determine exactly how you would figure out, like, this is the calendar, this is what free times um, uh, work for both of us and, and things like that? What's, the, what's that handshake? Like yeah, so some of this um, came from uh, a lot of user research. Uh, some of that user research we were able to do while we were still at uh, at, at Facebook. Um, some of it was done uh, afterwards, but it came from the understanding that there's similarities across people on how they manage time. Uh, so, for example, you know when you think about how does a how does an event show up on your calendar, uh, it starts with an idea. Like, okay, I want to meet with Joe. Um, and that idea then becomes a collaboration where I'm like, hey, Joe, you want to get together, and uh, when, when would work for you? Uh, and so we start collaborating on this, this concept of an event, um, and that collaboration actually continues even after we schedule it. So maybe we have our, maybe we're doing a dinner party. Uh, we've got our dinner party uh, coordinated, but you know, who's going to bring the appetizers? Who's going to bring the... Uh, main course, who's bringing the dessert, who's bringing the wine. Um, there's continued collaboration there. Or maybe we're talking about a different kind of an event, like an interview. Um, so I've got a candidate who's coming in to meet with me and two other people. Um, well, what am I going to ask this candidate versus the other two people? Um, what are some of the concerns that the candidate has that we want to make sure we address in that interview. That's, again, uh, collaboration that, that occurs on an event. So we studied this and um, you know, learned what the, the general workflow is across events. And then we wanted to architect a system that would support that. And there were some very simple ideas that are kind of profound. Um, you know, for example, there is no events on your calendar that don't have a time associated with them. It, it doesn't. The calendar needs a time in order for an event to go on the calendar. Uh, that's not the case with Woven. We can have calendaring events that don't yet have time so that they can be collaborated on. We call them scheduling links, similar to what Calendly has. Uh, but Calendly's uh, links are persistent. Uh, you, know, you have a, a web URL that you can go to all the time. So after I've you know scheduled this podcast, I can schedule another podcast with right. you. But most most people don't operate that way when they're scheduling their events. It's a one-time thing. Let's get together for drinks one time. So our scheduling links exist both in Calendly form as well as in in one-off form. Um, but that's like I said, just just the beginning. Uh, the information that we can now associate with those events also follows the life cycle of the event, both the pre-meeting activities, the uh, let's get you into the meeting activity, and then the follow-up activity, like what's the follow-up from this interview, or what's the follow-up from uh, this, uh, uh, maybe it's a board meeting that, uh, uh, that, that you went to. Um, and so as we uh, studied that by talking to more and more people, then we, we had the general ideas of the, of the architecture. The next thing that was really important is to get some data. Um, because we wanted to know, like, how many times do people meet with one person? How many times do they meet with multiple people? Um, how many times do they just put stuff on their calendar when there's nobody, like uh, blocking out time mm -hmm. to um, you know, 
take the kids to school or something like that. And um, so we uh, partnered with a few different companies and we asked them if we could survey their calendar data and they gave us permission to do that. And that gave us um, some really valuable insights on what's common between companies and what's different between companies. Um, and that, again, fed into some of the, the design decisions that we made in, in the back end. And then finally, we started uh, you know, the user journeys, figuring out, okay, what problems are we going to solve and how are we going to solve them? And um, we started by designing them first, making, getting some mocks of what they might look like, talking to a lot of people um, about those uh, capabilities. Um, and once we got those mocks to a state that we were comfortable with, uh, in parallel, we were building our engineering team, so um, and we then had the people to start uh, uh, building this. And so that's a general strategy that we followed. Um, I'd say it's evolved a bit as we've matured as a company and as the product's gotten more mature. Uh, but we still follow a lot of the same uh, concepts and principles. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. Now, small business owners wear a lot of hats. I know I am one of them. And while some hats are great, like doing this podcast and getting to talk to people, others, like the filing taxes and running payroll hat, are not so great. And that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and managing a team actually easy for small businesses. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. And as a New Yorker subplanted to Pennsylvania, uh, the not paying my local taxes thing bit me a couple of times. So it would be it would have been great to have Gusto then. Uh, plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits or even 401ks for your team. Oh, and you can get direct access to certified HR experts too. This sounds like a pretty good way to kick off 2020 for your business, right? Uh, but here's the thing. Deadlines for the new year creep up earlier than you think, and you're going to want to get started now. I don't know about you, but I know that I've started thinking about this stuff around this time. And all of a sudden, February or March is here, and I'm like, I need to do something about my taxes. So don't wait. Let Gusto make it easier on you. As a bonus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. This is one hat you're going to be glad you gave up. I certainly am. Uh, and you can try a bonus and see it for yourself over at gusto.com slash build. So get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see it for yourself over at gusto.com slash build. Thanks so much to Gusto for their support of this show. I think I maybe realize it. I think it's always been the case, but I'm just realizing this now as you're talking that I am also insanely interested in how people manage their calendars, right? Because uh, you know, I've seen like when I was employed by an agency, like I saw my boss's calendar and it was just like overlapping meetings. And I'm like, how do you live your life? Um, and I am always, I mean, we talked about this um, in the pre-show, I think, right? Where um, I block specific recording times off for this show. Um, I'll put blocks on my calendar for this is going to be deep work. Nobody can have this time. And so um I'm sure like digging into that information was incredibly interesting. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't know how much data you could share, but is, is this, a, were you looking at like U.S. trends or like worldwide specific areas of the world? Did you find, like, did you find that like 
Europeans and Americans like manage their calendars differently or? So we focus largely on uh, the U.S. and Canada uh, as as markets. Um, uh, a couple of other markets that we're in, Australia and the U.K., tend to have actually very similar meeting behaviors. But uh, I will share some some things that we did find that were were kind of interesting. Um, so we, we now have uh, over forty five million events uh, that are managed inside of Woven. So it's quite a bit, um, and we're able to to um, uh, use that information to help us really fine-tune, uh, you know, how we build the product. And one of the things that uh, we had a question on early is, um, well, first off, when do people meet? Um, what's, what's the most common time of day for people to meet? And then the, the other question was, how far in advance do they typically schedule? Um, and uh, we, this, you know, originally debating, you know, like is a 7 a meeting, a.m. meeting very common, um, and when does that? When does the day stop? Like you know, is yeah. a six p.m. meeting quite common? And if I could show you the histogram of events, um, you'd find it's, it's actually really interesting that most people do not start their day before nine a.m. Um, there's a few that start their day at eight, um, and a very small percentage that start their day at seven. But it's a quite tall spike between six a.m. and ten a.m on when uh, meetings really start to occur. And 10 a.m. is actually the most common spot in the day. That's when people seem to like uh, to meet the most. Then when you get to the end of the day, it falls off um, in, in much uh, slower fashion. So there's not the equivalent, okay, it's 5 o'clock and there's no more meetings scheduled for people. Uh, instead, that really extends out into the evening on a, on a very long, slow degradation. Uh, so that was one thing that was interesting for us is uh, how there's not a lot of people who like to um, uh, you know, use their early morning time, at least uh, from a calendar perspective. And it very much mirrors a personal anecdote that I have that I like to do my workouts and my maker time early in the morning because I'm the least likely to get interrupted and mm-hmm. least likely to have conflicts. And with this data, I could see why, that you know, universally people just generally don't use that time to meet with each other. The second thing that was interesting is, well, how far in advance do people schedule? Is it like two weeks in advance? Is it one week advance? Is it a couple days in advance? And it was really interesting to see um, that uh, the most common uh, interval is actually a, a day or less, um, which makes using your calendar for planning purposes tricky because it means that if I'm looking at what's going on two weeks in the future, I actually don't have all the events that I'm going to put on my calendar there yet. And so, and this also mirrors a, a common uh, a bit of anecdotal feedback that we've gotten where people will make commitments in their time in the future, um, you know, thinking, oh, okay, I, I can meet with so-and-so in a couple of weeks because I don't look like I'm that busy. But really, the decision that they're making is it's not so important to meet with so-and-so today. And because my calendar says I'm free two weeks from now, I'll make the time for them then. Mm. Except they're not free two weeks from now. They just don't know what they're busy with yet. Yeah. Uh, and so if you could build a calendar, a, 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 a pro forma calendar, a, a consu- how you normally consume your time, you have a better understanding of whether or not you actually could take a meeting and it would help you prioritize better. Uh, I've seen for myself, I have a pretty consistent pattern 
of 26 hours a week of meetings. And no matter what's going on, I have 26 hours of meetings. Sometimes it goes up and down by a few hours, but it's the average is pretty consistently 26 hours. And so if I start with an idea that I only have 14 hours left um, for something that I wouldn't normally do, um, I can answer that question. Does this fit in the 14 hours of time? Do I want to give it to this person? Or would I, you know, maybe that's just an excuse for me to just say I'm not actually interested in, in spending my time in this way. So just a couple quick anecdotes. So there's, there's tons of, of interesting things that we have learned helping people optimize their time with our product. Yeah, that's insanely interesting. I mean, first of all, 10 a.m. is also the sweet spot for me because I, from 8 to 10, I like to do my own thing in the office. And then like by 10 o'clock, the coffee is kicked in. Um, 10 or 11, right? Because 11 is like right before lunch. And so like I'm probably not getting any deep work done. Um, but then like how far in advance do they schedule? I've, I have time boxed specifically for this reason. Um, and I'm doing uh, a project right now with a bigger company where they have a culture of this, I'll grab a time on your calendar. And so people would do that. And I've been aggressively guarding my time. Like if they just, if someone just puts a meeting on my calendar, I'm like, I can't meet, I can't meet at this time. Use this link to figure out when we can meet. Um, cause like five o'clock I'm out of the, I got to go pick my daughter up from daycare. Um, and then the rest of the evening is family time. But I like if you're going to meet in the middle of my morning, that's deep work time for me usually. Um, yeah, a, a lot of consultants do this, for example, where if they are working for multiple clients, they'll block off time in their calendars for each client. One, to make sure that they don't overbook themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and two, to make sure that they preserve time to do the things that they're trying to do for, for that particular client. And it's actually, a, I think, a good um, practice is to block time for things when you make the commitments. Um, whether that commitment is to put together a presentation or complete a coding task or to uh, meet with somebody. And uh, it's one of the values of calendars. If you can make them easier to use and, and more valuable for people, you can uh, use them in ways to, to help people spend time better. Absolutely. And then, and then you know, I would just add that commit to that, right? Um, I, I say I don't meet on Fridays. I don't break that rule. Uh, and so, like, if someone's like, can I grab a meeting on Friday? I'm like, I don't meet on Fridays. Talk to me Monday morning. Because um, Friday is fr- uh, probably contrary to what a lot of people feel. Friday is my most productive day because I, I don't have to meet with anybody. So, Well, for, for Facebook, we had no meeting Wednesdays. Um, nice. And you know, the, the biggest problem with no meeting Wednesdays is it was often disregarded by non-technical functions uh, because they would have to meet with people outside of the company who mm-hmm. didn't have no meeting Wednesdays. But um, we, in the calendar tool that we, we built internally, you know, we were able to codify this so you could at least warn somebody that, hey, you're scheduling time during a no meeting Wednesday um, and you really want to do that. Inside of Woven, we've taken it one step further where um, we use uh, templates, uh, which are kind of like predefined meetings, and you can set up your templates to say, you know, when should this meeting occur? And uh, if you didn't want to have your Friday's book, you can change the template so that it never proposes times on a Friday and it will never do it for you. And it will never do it for anybody else who tries to schedule time with you. Uh, that, yeah, that's really fantastic. I love that. We, when I was at the university of Scranton, we had something similar. We had no meeting Thursdays or something like that, but it was like never honored by anybody. Um, and when I was like, I thought we weren't meeting on Thursdays. Like this is supposed to be work day. They're like, well, they're from outside the department. And I'm like, 
so they're not available the rest of the week. Like we work from like eight to five every day. So yeah, um, yeah exactly. But well, you know what you're what you're highlighting here is actually a truism. This is something that was really important to learn at Facebook, which is uh, culture is often a function of uh, the tools that you use. And uh, so the tools can help make sure things happen. Like Facebook was very much about open communication and it used Facebook Workplace as a way of helping people communicate because it's more open than, uh, say, email is. But, um, uh, you know, if, for meetings, uh, we used Exchange. Uh, and even though Sheryl Sandberg sent out an email to the entire company that we are no longer going to have 60-minute meetings, they're going to be 50-minute meetings because Exchange didn't support that, uh, we ended up having 60-minute meetings. Yep. Uh, so, so you, you know, that was like the tool was overpowering, you know, one of the most powerful uh, individuals in the company and arguably one of the best leaders in technology. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, the value uh, or the, the power of, of tooling for culture. Yeah, that's really incredible. I love that quote. I'm going to make that like a full quote for this episode. Um, but we are coming up on time, and I do need to ask you, uh, my favorite question, which is, I mean, you've given us a lot of really great advice, but do you have any trade secrets for us? Ooh, uh, well, I, they're going to sound um, not so secret, but they're uh, very, very powerful. I mean, it starts with, um, you know, if you're going to build a great product, that starts with having great people. And one of the things my co-founder and I, we both learned this from Facebook, and he was at Google beforehand, um, that you know, part of what made uh, Facebook such an incredible place to work was that people were so uh, just amazing. Uh, they were the best at what they did. And that wasn't by accident. The uh, company was very deliberate about hiring. And so we've been very deliberate about hiring. And um, if I were to go back through my entire career and you know, highlight my greatest successes and my biggest failures, they've all related to whether or not I stuck it out for the right person um, in a role. And when I compromised and made shortcuts, it usually cost me. And when I stuck to my guns and went for the, the right person, even if that took a little bit longer than I wanted, uh, it always paid off. And uh, so people really make a big, big difference. Um, the, uh, the second thing I would say, and this is really for startups, speed matters. Um, you know, it's, it's great to uh, take the time to build something well, but you have to recognize that as a startup, you don't know everything. And it's impossible not to know everything. So really what you're doing is every bit of code you're writing is to learn more about what's going to resonate for your product. And when you write that code in a way that um, allows you to get uh, it in front of users quicker, to get that learning faster, you're actually better off um, than uh, you know, if you take a little bit, uh, it will take a lot of time to write something that's perfect because it's not going to be perfect. The designs are never going to be perfect. The architecture is never going to be perfect. Even the product focus is never going to be perfect. It's got to be designed for speed. And uh, it's a very um, uh, relevant learning for us on you know, a principle that Facebook had of move fast and break things. Uh, that moving fast part, especially in the early days of a company, is really, really valuable. Man, I yeah, I love that. Um, and that's been echoed a bit on uh, on this podcast as well because you know you could spend six months or a year building something that you think is amazing and then if people don't use it the way you expected it to be used then no one's going to use it right so then you just sunk a bunch of months into something that's not usable so get something out quick iterate quickly 
we have the luxury to do that in in today's development environment. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the other things that we learned is if there's ways to test stuff without ever writing a line of code, um, then you just saved a bunch of time. You have no tech debt that way. You have uh, no bugs that way, but you get the learnings. So mocks, um, surveys, um, uh, you know, we would use ads uh, sometimes to advertise for features that we uh, were thinking about developing, and we'd see what the click-through rates were. Um, all those were the different ways to uh, get to the answer to questions without having to write a line of code, so that when we did write that code, we knew that you know we had a higher a chance of um, you know writing the right stuff. That's that's really great. I'm I'm going to steal that one. Uh, you know, I think uh, I've done similar things with like pre-launching a course, uh, and then if nobody buys the course, I know great, I don't have to write that course. Nobody wants that course, or nobody on my current email list at least wants that course. So. Um, yeah, it's a, kind of a modern day variant of lean startup with you know yeah the whole customer development cycles built off similar principles. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, where can people find you? They can find us at woven.com. Um, the product is an open uh, beta, so uh, the only requirement is that you use either G Suite or Google Calendar. If anybody wants to find me, I'm easy to find on Twitter at tcampos um, or um, Tim at woven.com. And I do also have LinkedIn and Facebook profiles that are easy to find as well. Awesome. I will link to those and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Tim for joining us today. Uh, While there's a lot to take away from this episode, I think what stuck out the most for me is how people's availability and when they meet spikes in the morning. So people are not available before a certain time in the morning, but then it peters off in the afternoon, meaning people continually make themselves available later into the evening. Uh, That's really interesting stuff for me, especially because I pretty aggressively guard my time and my calendar. Uh, Thanks so much again to our sponsors, Gusto, Ahoy, and Pantheon. They make the show happen. If you want to learn more about Tim and see all of the show notes, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash 140. And if you want to create a podcast just like this for yourself, be sure to check out my free podcasting workbook over at howibuilt.it slash liftoff. You'll get checklists and show note templates and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, get out there and build something.